Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. All right, so fellas, uh, thanks for getting together with us here this afternoon. Uh, talk about what we did on Sunday. We've got Pat with us now, so we're three strong to be able to roast your message. <laughs> That's the <a> goal. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, the point is, and if you haven't seen this the, to the viewer, if you haven't seen it yet, is to be able to go back over some things that came up on Sunday. Obviously, we can't cover everything. A um, lot of good stuff. So, Dan, kind of just start with opening the floor to you. Is there anything you felt like you left on the table, so to speak, that you kind of wish you could hit on a little bit more? I think we touched on it, but one of the keys to me is the overall understanding of the post-resurrection appearances of Christ. So if you have 18 citations of his appearances, so 18 different times it's cited, then you have actually 11 events over the day of, seven days later, and before 40 days. It just shows the way that Christ is engaged. And this Sunday, we're actually going to talk about how many other things does the resurrected Savior of the world, Lord of the universe, could he be doing? And yet he's spending time effectively shepherding, guiding, being accessible, accommodating to knuckleheads uh, who supposedly get it, but yet are manifesting that they don't. And that's just, that's a picture of Christ. That's a picture of our Savior in a way that I think Christians need to remember. We need to see that uh, in all the things he could be doing, he is on a shore line in John 21, calling out to people to show them again another lesson of how he is the sufficient Savior. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I mean, I, wanna, I don't want to ruin the lead for this week's message, but to even think about... That might not be the thing that other people looking in would have said was what he should have been spending his time with. Oh, totally. Oh, no. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you continue on in that chapter, it, mm. you see him reminding and challenging Peter to do the very same thing that he's doing with Peter and his boys as he refocuses their efforts when they should have been on the mountain waiting, as you said, and they're not. They're out there fishing. And then he feed my sheep three times. So he's yeah. drawing attention to what Peter should be doing, challenging him to do that. And it's exactly what Jesus is modeling in that moment he's challenging him. Yeah. And, and there's an incredible dynamic that you've got the sovereign God of the universe, and yet he is so, as we've said, accommodating that, think about it, after the resurrection, so they've seen the risen Lord. And now all of a sudden he's there trying to help Peter understand, do you love me more than these? And as we said on Sunday, we'll make the point again this upcoming Sunday, that's a reference to, I think, the fish, because you see John citing 153 fish. Uh, it, would, it would make any sense to say he's comparing him to the other disciples, because all the disciples weren't there. That's not a methodology Christ does. So just think about it. It's an amazing thing that Christ even lets that dynamic exist. He is the resurrected Lord. And now he's saying, do you love me more than these? There's no way um, that a man-made image of God would do that. He would absolutely liquefy mm. the individual. He'd never say, hey, am I more important than, than fish? After he just risen from the grave. Yeah. He'd just be like, wrong, milk. You, yeah, you're talking about condescending yeah. down. And then when we think uh, Peter's, you know, Matthew 16, uh, that declaration. So you have this 
time with this guy's really strong, really weak, and the consistency through it all is that Christ is loving him, being gracious yeah. to him, moving him through this time. And what incredible lesson that is for us. I think it's really mind-bending, frankly. Oh, yeah. I think it's important that we spend a moment talking about what that word means, his condescension. Hmm. Because in the way I would typically use it is to one of my kids, perhaps, hey, quit speaking so condescendingly to your mother. Oh, like it's negative. Yeah. It's yeah. negative. Yeah. Yeah. As if I'm, I'm better than you. I can't believe you would do such a thing, Dan or Zach. But in, in this context, it is his humility, it is his kindness, it is his tenderness to engage with Peter in such a loving way as to ask this question. When we all know the answer, of course we should love him more than these stinking fish, or anything else for that matter, because he's the, the great I am. And so, as whenever I'm reading scripture or listening to a sermon, I'm always trying to find that one point or that one thing that helps stir my affections mm -hmm. towards the beauty of Christ. And if you stop and consider what Jesus is doing and the, the sweet tenderness of this conversation, instead of just melting him, as you said, to even ask the question, what a joke. Imagine yeah. if you're in the military or something and you're not properly being respectful to your superior. Okay, wow, they don't kill us in the military. But, you know, they do some things to, to convey that you should be offering proper respect and homage. Yeah. And hopefully the attitude and the character of Christ is sufficient if we stop and ponder it to stir that within us. So I do love you more than that, Christ. And that's good. I think it's good to think about in this moment, I mean, not that Jesus is flexing, but his sovereignty is really on display, right? You see the thing with the fish, like drop it to the other side. But just the whole entire idea of I, I, this is what I'm doing. I know what my plan's about. Maybe I'm not doing what other people would think was most important. He really is kind of on display in his hierarchy, right? In his disposition. Yeah. And to be able to do that and be so kind to Peter, um, it's it's a beautiful reflection to me. I thought about this because I was looking at one of my kids while you were preaching, mm -hmm. and I thought, man, I am the authority over this child, but I also have the ability to extend so much love and yes, compassion and to this child. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about, I mean, Christ is doing that all at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, and he's How not breaking doing a sweat. Our brothers and sisters, if you're not a parent, right, or you're oh, a yeah. grandparent, you don't have that much interaction. How am I doing that with the the brothers and sisters in the faith? Because yeah. you know we stress this here, Grace, is that we are a body, and it is my job. And I don't mean you as a pastor. I mean you as just a brother to get into my business if I need to be gotten into, yeah. and likewise, and to be affirmed and exhorted and all those other things too. And we should do it the way Christ did it here on that shoreline. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a good thing, I think, particularly to think about this individual he's interacting with as well. Oh, the, I mean, he's interacting with several individuals. Yeah, but sure. Peter's kind of, you know, the, the prince of the ball, so to speak, in this section. Uh, he's going to be a guy that does that later on. He's yeah. going to be a guy that's going to flex. He's going to call people out. Um, and he's going to be one of these guys that, you know, dies this incredible death that people really esteemed the impact he had uh, on the body. So. I think it's neat to see that dynamic working out, that God's sovereignty is working. He's understanding what's going to happen down the road. He's already said, this isn't when he goes, I'm going to establish my church upon this confession. Was Not upon Peter, <laughs> but upon this confession, right? Another video. Very important. Before we called him Satan is when he said that. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. right? Knowing all this was going to happen, and it still yeah. it didn't change the game plan way back then. It's really it's super cool. Yeah, and then when you see John, who recognizes it's Christ on the shore, so you've got 100 yards away. Yeah. two different appearances of Christ after the resurrection they didn't recognize him so they didn't recognize him by his form they recognized him by his work by the miracle mm, so that good. goes back to Luke chapter 5 where he called them to be from fishermen to making fishers of men and so it's so incredible that they were looking forward to go back to fishing there was a reminiscing of that mm -hmm. and all of a sudden after a night of no fish 
they must have been resuscitating the idea of what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, Jesus in his kindness, he doesn't wait till they get to the shore to go, oh, by the way, it's me. He, they're out there, the dawn is breaking, and he specifically uses that moment to show he's the sovereign, but gently in that first moment of Luke 5, where they got to know who he is, to call them back yeah. to what they're supposed to be. He could have done it through a thunderbolt, lightning storm. He could have sent a hurricane mm -hmm. on the Sea of Galilee, make them fear for their life, tremble. But he doesn't. He just says, remember what I was like when you first met me. Yeah. What happened? You said, away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Mm -hmm. And you in the boat, you're still a sinful man, but I'm still the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling you back to what I called you to. Yeah. And I, I just think that's so gentle yet firm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That has that balance. Well, I think you did a good You touched on this a little bit about the God sovereignly deciding those fish were not going to jump into the nets, <laughs> yeah. right? The fishermen should have been able to catch something, right? Yeah, but they kept one nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think we think casting a line and you pull, they throw these huge nets out. Yeah. <laughs> they got diddly, right? Um, but then the sovereign display, do this thing. Like, that's something that, I, I mean, I don't want to speculate too much about how it impacted their ministry and their life, but I think about me as a reminder of God's the one who brings in the catch. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's going to do it, and it's that simple for mm -hmm. me. I'm the one who guides this thing, again, showing His sovereignty over this whole entire thing. I can imagine that our brothers wouldn't have been encouraged by that as they did go meet their deaths mm -hmm. for the kingdom, you know, in the coming years. Yeah, and imagine how much encouragement they needed. So you, again, think after the resurrection, that should be sufficient. That should, you should <laughs> live on the fumes of that for, what, 50, 60, 70 years? Nope. Easy. Piece of cake. Matter of days, they don't get this. And so he does this, and that seemingly is that before the Holy Spirit comes in an abiding and dwelling way, is exactly what they needed. So now we go, okay, they never thought the value of fishing again because they understood he is the sovereign. When I think that there is a value in that, what he's called me to, he'll make me fruitful in, mm -hmm. and I'll never be fruitful in something he hasn't called me to. Yeah. So, okay, I got that. Yeah, that's good, that's good. It's something that Peter pens later, you know, sometime before his death, obviously, but he talks about how the word itself, uh, I'm thinking about those of us who wish we could experience Christ that way. Mm. You know, you go all night and then you cast your nets in this big giant miracle or something. But even we see at the ascension a few days later, uh, are you going to establish the kingdom now? <laughs> They're out of touch, man. But later on, Peter writes his book. He, he says, this is better yeah. than having experienced these things. Mm. And so I'd like to challenge anyone listening to us, if you want to experience Christ and get fired up for him and increase the focus, get into the word and ponder uh, yeah. it. It's better than even seeing or experiencing a miracle, says our man Peter, who did both. Yeah. Yeah. Wrote the word and experienced a lot of stuff. That's a good shot. I raised think, people from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've spent a lot of time yeah. in Peter's letters. Like those really kind of do a lot for me. And I've never even thought about the fact yeah, that man. he yeah. has done that. My He's the one drew my attention to Here's that. The word. That is revolutionary. Yeah. And I think what has to be remembered is not it's just not merely the the red word it's the holy spirit indwelling yeah. the word so there's a sense in which that the when he's talking at the woman of the well john 4 it's not really a cup of water it's the spring of water coming up within the That's new right. covenant yeah. Yeah. that now has been brought on by the holy spirit mm -hmm. now illuminating us to make much of christ which should bring us to a clarifying point that if someone's excited about something about something about the lord 
Uh, is he excited about Jesus or is it about something that's related? So mm. we are talking about a church service or a song or when you get excited about something, make sure you don't drift away from Jesus is the center of that something mm, yeah, yeah. because that's the purest way we know that's the Holy Spirit authored because I think the enemy wants us to be excited about things that are tertiary or are secondary. Oh, yeah. uh, not primary at all, but the Holy Spirit makes much of Christ. That's right. So when someone says, wow, that was fantastic, or that was amazing, and Christ is never in the next few sentences, you go, hmm, maybe that was just you. No, it's that. not the experience we're chasing. It's the intimacy and the affection for the God-man Jesus that yeah. should often, not always, but bring about some sort of emotional feeling experience, but it's always based on a truth, yeah. a fact, some data point about him. Yeah. It comes from the Word, yeah. and the Spirit helps. Yeah invigorate that in our lives. Like that old analogy, the train is the truth and the caboose or the cars are the feelings. So very oh, often yeah. you do the thing that is, that it's, it's, that's the thing that drives it. Very yeah. often, just in life in general, uh, if you're an adult, you understand that you do things even when you don't want to and the feelings follow. Mm -hmm. When you put the feelings as the motivation, oh, well, then you're a grease fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I miss the difference between affections and emotions. Emotions are just a response to anything, yeah, right? right. You respond. Yeah. Affections are a response to something you know. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's a response yeah. to knowledge. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about, I mean, yeah, it should always stir your affections. The word should. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe yeah. you're not reading it right because it's a terrifying reality. Yeah, and we, we know this. Like, there's a lot of scholars, particularly the turn of the 20th century out of Germany oh, and stuff. Guys. You yeah. can know yeah. scripture mm -hmm. and not know the word. Indeed. That is terrifying to us. Mm -hmm. So, I always encourage people whenever you're totally. reading the word, make sure you're doing it with the right purpose. I'm here to get the Lord. I'm here asking myself, what does this tell yeah. me about who the Lord is? Mm -hmm. What does this tell me about his character? If you're doing it for anything else, I. Uh, you could probably spend your time better. Yeah, yeah, and make sure you're applying it. When you read something, 100%. apply it. Because if not, you could do an exercise in hardening your own heart. Because oh, you're just man. learning it yeah. to be able to be conversant in a small group or sound smart. Uh, be careful. Yeah. When you learn it and something is set on your heart to do, go about doing that thing or you're putting yourself in danger yeah. mm -hmm. because the Lord is not interested in you knowing about him. Yeah. He's interested in you communing with him. Well, you use that term heart in the heart. That's exactly what happened to Pharaoh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pharaoh sure. knew the word. Moses was speaking the word of the Lord to Good him. Point. He was aware of it Indeed. and he hardened his heart. Judas. Yeah. Yeah. Judas yeah. was very acquainted with it, but his love for money he saw the value of stuff versus the value of Christ, and so therefore his soul was yeah. damned. Yeah. You know one of the things I love about Scripture is that we can start talking about John 21 and Jesus showing up to them on the shore, and we can get to Judas, we can get to Pharaoh, mm -hmm. we can get to all over the yeah. place, and it's not like we weren't making this stuff up. No, right? we're not. When they come in here with an agenda, there's not, for you all on the camera on the other side. There's not a board of things for us <laughs> to hit, right? We're just talking about the Lord and how this redemptive story is working out and how it has these manifest, you know, yeah. applications in our lives. That's mm -hmm. that's so good. And that's why it's a story. It's not a textbook. Exactly. It has truth in it, but there's a storyline in which yes. it all connects together. And when you see that, and particularly you spend time in it. Uh, there's a almost an exponential dynamic that you start confeding stories on stories yeah, and you yeah. see the connections yep. and then that also your affections are enlivened even more because you start going wow this worked here this worked here this worked here and that makes sense there and that makes yep. sense there yeah. somebody asked me uh, a few years ago so what bible plan do you follow for reading and I was like I don't anymore. Like, that, if you're following a Bible plan, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, I'd encourage yeah. it. Sure. But I said, this is what I realized. I follow a plan and I start reading something and I go, oh, this reminds me of this. I start jumping sure. all over the place. And now I actually read through the Bible several times in a year because it's it's always going all yeah. over. So I think the point is be, be familiar with the Word. 
They're yeah. not just familiar, but I mean, just soak it in. You're not gonna be able to do anything more important than that. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not gonna do anything really more beneficial, mm -hmm. right? Know it, apply it, live it. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bob's your uncle? What? Really? You don't you know never that? Heard that? Well, I've never that, heard that. that. You know what? So Pat and I are both English majors, maybe more American lit, more Brit lit. Wow, that's yeah. a big I think that's an English thing. I am from the Northwest. Bob's your uncle. So, yeah. Yeah. Northwestern thing. Yeah. And half the time I say something like that, I might mix metaphors. But yeah. that one's right. Bob's your uncle. Okay. So you know what it means? I have no idea. You know, neither does anybody else who uses it. Look up the etymology of it. Yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah, nobody knows where it came from. So anyway, on that note, <laughs> I think that wraps us pretty pretty well so I think just a, a shotting kind of message to the viewers is know the, the things that are being preached on Sunday the things we're talking about the things we're doing in service but don't let it stop yep. let it be something that is um, fanning the flame of your affections that is stirring your knowledge about the word continue to go into it find other check brothers and sisters check to talk about out. it and make sure we're being faithful to the text absolutely yes always hold us accountable to it and encourage other people have these discussions that's one of the reasons why we want to do this so we kind of bring it back to people's minds apply it more see it worked out midweek so that people kind of go through the week meditating on these things applying them to their life not just going through the exercise of of hearing it mm -hmm. yeah it's important so that's a good note that's a good note for us to end on be about that be about digging in deeper with the resources you have so thank you everybody for joining us we appreciate it and we'll uh, look forward to next time when we go into some more second helpings